0: 12 Pack Radio. Get excited, y'all.
1: Welcome back, everyone, to 12 Pack Radio, the most interesting Pac 12 podcast covering Pac 12 football in your face. This is Brian Conger, the host of Wildcat Radio. We're back. Sorry we were gone for a week. Uh, I kind of buried my, uh, I had to do a lot of work. Uh, bearing bodies in this last election. So <laughs> I apologize for, for taking the week off, but we are back and focused. I made sure to watch these games, so we're excited to talk about them. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at 12 Pack Radio at 12PAC Radio. We're starting to get a decent following there. So if you're following the podcast, Rob is dishing out. Just knowledge bombs left and right. Bring it in, stuff. Definitely follow that Twitter account to get your Pac-12 news. You can subscribe to the podcast for free on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn Radio. You name it, we are there. And I am joined, as always, by Mr. Rob Bauer, and the the creator, the molder, the sculptor of the Beta Rank uh, Advanced College Football Statistical Model, which is available on WildcatRadioAZ.com. Mr. Rob, what's going
0: on? I, uh, I'm feeling pretty good. The, uh, the model had a good week overall, but it had a particularly good week just in the pack 12.
1: <laughs> nice. Nice. That's good. Yeah. So, so, you know, you always say the model had a good week. What, what is a good week? Like, what did you do this week?
0: Oh no. Like three weeks ago was a bad, like a, like reasonably bad ish week. There were a lot of upsets. Um, and the model went like 54% against the spread. Um, this week the model went sixty three percent against the spread. Uh, it picked eighty four percent of the games, uh, the winners correct uh, for all the games that were out there this week. It's it's a small enough sample every week that you can get some decent fluctuation uh, in there. But yeah, it was uh, the model had a pretty good week this week all around. Um, and uh, the week before uh, it, the model had a particularly bad week in the Pac twelve that had to get I had to make up for it elsewhere um, against the spread. It went uh, five and one picking winners last week. Uh, and then it went two and four against the spread, but this week was four and one picking winners and four and one against the spread.
1: Nice gamble responsibly, but you know, that's pretty good. It's pretty good. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. This week was weird. Uh, the, you looked at the slate of games and we did last week, which we didn't, we recorded actually a podcast and I just couldn't do it. So if you listen to wildcat radio, we actually did all that stuff. Uh, so my work was in
0: vain um is my takeaway
1: don't worry about it It, uh, god (laughs) only god appreciates it god will know (laughs) Uh, so like looking at these games it was kind of a funky week you had ucla arizona state washington state goes into colorado which unfortunately like we if you listen to the wildcat radio version of this we jumped on that line like like a bouse man we were all over washington state that was a stupid line Oregon at Utah, Oregon State at Stanford, Cal at USC. Which, if you watched that, I apologize, we did for you. So hopefully, you didn't watch any of that game. <laughs> Just not a super exciting slate, but there were some interesting games. What stood out for you most while you're watching last week?
0: I think what was really interesting was uh, two things: the um, that Utah was able to put it together uh, without their starting quarterback and their starting running back, uh, and beat an Oregon team that. Um, I'll say it, like, is not as good as a lot of people thought early in the season. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and the model was pointing out was not as good as people thought early in the season. So I feel a little vindicated that Oregon's come back to Earth. I'm sorry to any Oregon fans out there. I have a personal rooting int- interest here, I suppose. Um, but the uh, the that, that Utah game where Utah, I think sort of they had a very good first act, Um, Then they came out and swooned a little bit in the third quarter, but they were really able to to turn it on um, and pull away in that fourth quarter. Like that was, that was really impressive to me uh, that Utah was able to do that and maybe gives you some confidence because they have a pretty easy schedule. Uh, I mean, no offense, Colorado, but for the rest of it. And then um, this sounds like a really weird thing to point out, but like UCLA had a much better game than I think anyone was anticipating against Arizona state. Um, In that game And uh, UCLA And their Sort of revolving Quarterback I I really thought Spate should sit Um, But he came in And he had a pretty good game It was Uh,
1: Yeah it was interesting What they're doing down there Westwood The UCLA USC game Is just (laughs) It's gonna be inappropriately beautiful i think that's probably the best way to put that with those teams uh it will be fun because i think ucla has a chance you know what's that for me and then i'll kick it back to you to see some of the other things it's just the free fall of colorado our yeah. friends at the free ball and podcast which do an excellent job if you're a colorado fan listening to this podcast listen to the free ball podcast they cover all cu sports they just did a preview of colorado basketball and i think it'll be interesting to see what they have with mckinley right there with that said like one of those guys either owns a bar or like works at a bar, and I hope they are all there right now, just because they were so high on this team. Five games going in the season, and with with real reason, you had Montez tearing it up. Chenault was there, and man, it's just been a mess. Even with Lavisca Chenault, I think he had a hundred yards in this game, and they they scored seven points. Like holy goodness, uh, how the mighty have fallen. Did you watch that game? I mean, because we had we had highlighted that game as kind of being the one of the week to take a look at in terms of the spread. I think Washington State opened as a four and a half point favorite, and we just kind of laughed and and gladly jumped on that. But um, I was I saw a little bit of the second half. I didn't watch the first half.
0: Oh, the first half was bad football. Um, you know, and it was it was mostly that Washington State and Minshew really struggled to figure out the wind like I know that sounds like a not like the weather but um there are some significantly swirling winds um both Montez and Minshew struggled to throw the ball deep in that game and Minshew kept trying to throw deep because he did have uh, guys open uh, going deep um in the second half Washington State came in through shorter passes, tightened it up. You know, Minchie was not, not throwing any kind of, put in any kind of error under it. He was just throwing ropes. Um, and it made a big difference. And they were able to turn it on. Meanwhile, Colorado was not able to do anything in that second half. Um, and man, Colorado, I, there were a lot of Colorado fans that when I posted that, uh, you know, I had Washington State uh, winning by something like 20 points in the game or 17 points. Um, when I, you know, tried to, do the points that i thought it would be that um you know i had washington winning by 21 washington state winning by 21 and a lot of colorado fans came out and said no like i think they really bought into the spread they thought that this was the this was the game that colorado was going to take a stand and you know maybe pull off the upset and uh no like this this team has just been a free fall
1: so Two coaches. Let's talk. Let's talk some coaches here. You let's got talk hot seat. yeah. Let's talk some dirty hotsey here. You got McIntyre. So two two years in a row now they're going to go under five hundred. I think I have to go back and look at exactly what they're. But if if they're not yeah, so they're five and five with a game at Utah, and I forget who their last game is. I think but, it's Cal. Do you think they beat Cal? Like I don't think they beat Cal.
0: Would you Would you want to watch this offense against Cal's defense?
1: No, and I guess that's even more important, right? (laughs) If you're a Colorado fan, you're like, "F this, man! I don't want any more part of what's going on." Uh, Is he Is he around? Like they're probably going to be five and seven or uh, six and six. Like, and Montez is gone, likely. Like, would he? I
0: would fire. But what did you do? I mean, two years. He's two years removed from National Coach of the Year. Well, I yeah.
1: Mean, if if I were him, I would have given Jim Leavitt another hundred thousand dollars. I think he did. <laughs> like right, that right. I around. mean,
0: like, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Whatever. Whatever it cost, I suppose. Um, and it's not like it's not just that. I mean, this isn't like Oregon, where I would say that. Like, as I took some of the preseason data was waiting out, like Oregon just kept falling. Like this Colorado team was like pretty good early in the season um i just think everyone's figured them out um and some of that was Chenault was injured but uh i don't think schematically this colorado team has it um and i the other part of it, like you hate to say this like you just kind of feel like the players have quit like yeah. i mean getting shut out after the first quarter at home <laughs> yeah and that <laughs> defense know, was, isn't
1: all that good right
0: Right. Like Washington State's defense isn't great. So like getting, you know, goose egged for three quarters at home um, with bowl eligibility on the line and your coach's job on the line, like that's bad. Um, I, I think the tough thing for McIntyre is he sort of he had lightning in a bottle with his coordinator with Levitt, that defense was very good. Um, They caught like the Pac-12 South on a really down year. And, you know, they went and, you know, played in the Pac-12 championship game. Um, You know, being a head coach is really about hiring coordinators. I know there's a lot of, uh, there are some other things to it, but I would say one of the main things about the job is making good hires. And I don't do, I guess, other than the fact that he hired Levitt, You know, when Levitt was, you know, really in need of a job and need of a chance. I don't know. that I would trust McIntyre. Would you? I mean, he's.
1: Well, I mean, I I was really quick to to bring that ax down on the head. And in retrospect, like he has shown to be a. I mean, what he did at San Jose State was really awesome. I know that's a totally different league. I understand that. Um, Yeah. Comes back, comes into the Pac-12, has a, a surprising year. And the play calling on this offense and just listening to the free ball and podcast in addition, I mean, they are just killing their offensive coordinator. And I loved a few weeks ago how you tweeted basically that their offensive coordinator finally figured out that they can throw a screen pass. Like imagine (laughs) and it was like the fourth quarter. Like imagine making a lot of money to only figure that out in the fourth quarter. I think that was a hundred percent true because I was watching that game and it just, you got to fire that guy. Now, if if you want your job, you, you immediately say, All right, that was fun. We tried it. Uh, I'm taking over the offensive play calling, and whether or not he is or he's like outsourcing it to somebody else, I think you have to make that move ASAP because he is in big trouble. Like, I know that not only listen to the free ball podcast, but we follow a lot of Colorado people, and they are all grumbling rather yeah. loudly. Their, their recruiting class is 35th in the country, which isn't terrible. Yeah. I don't know. I uh, maybe one more year, I guess, like at the most.
0: I mean, the Denver Posts. I mean, I do the Pac-12 links. I mean, it's not just like... This isn't just Twitter. And it's not just, you know, fans. And I, I do think that the Freeball Podcast does a really terrific job. So I don't just want to throw them into like, oh, these guys are just fans. Yeah, like, yeah. they're not. But, like, the Denver Post has come out about it. I mean, there's a lot of unrest. I mean, in Colt, like... it Col- Col- we forget. Because I think, you know, they've only been in the Pac-12 for a bit. And they've generally been bad in the Pac-12. But... Colorado's got a reasonably proud football tradition. I mean, they have a national championship um, that's fairly recent, you know, 1990. Um, They're, you know, they don't, I don't think that they've, that they're ready to accept um, what Mike McIntyre's ceiling may be. Um, You know, and I, 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 I'm pretty sure you got to, I think it, it may come down to what his contract extension is, but um, I don't know that Colorado, you would say, has deep, deep pockets. But um, you know, if Arizona, if Arizona, ASU, and UCLA can all afford to fire and give buyouts to everyone that they can, um, you know, Colorado State can. I mean, Colorado can certainly go out and fire McIntyre and hire Matt Wells, you know, Utah State's coach or somebody.
1: Let's play. Let's play a quick game here. Is Colorado equal to? Or greater than NC State as a job, the head coach.
0: Oh, it's a worse job than NC State. Oh, who are they going to get? yeah no, I, I mean, like, wouldn't wouldn't <laughs> you like? I mean, NC State, like, it's like it's it seems like it's like in theory you're like, oh, that's a tough job, but like, NC State's probably in some ways a better job than like North Carolina or Duke, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and yeah. the ACC is like, and the ACC is. I mean, it's not quite as bad as the Pac-12 is right now, but it's pretty bad. I mean, I guess if you're saying like, I mean, but like you're you you have much better recruiting grounds if you're an NC State.
1: Yeah, that's very. Then
0: cool. you, I mean, like you have to go compete against some schools for that. But like, even the guys that those schools are leaving behind, like you have a good shot at. With, and and so. your
1: network's actually getting you more money, so you probably have a better contract on that front. A lot more money.
0: I get, you know, and you can hire good coordinators. But like, if you're Colorado, like you gotta recruit texas and california
1: Mm. yeah it would be interesting i mean the other coach obviously to talk about is clay helton i'm surprised he hasn't got (laughs) fired yet because that game was a freaking (laughs) mess that game was awful awful so so bad oh gosh i was so i was watching it with my family and not a positive word was said the entire game it was just like this is so so stupid and the fact that like i mean we we go off about uh, JT Daniels all the time on this podcast and he did it yet again like he is not a good quarterback right now he could be a good quarterback in a couple of years but that is not the case and then when you add to the fact that there's just no running game and the defensive line was a mess like that center uh, like at the end of the game you had Cal with basically back-to-back sacks. I know there's a couple plays in between him, but the center who had, by the way, hiked the ball over the head of JT Daniels, which led to the safety, made the wrong read in two consecutive basically plays. It was the same exact read and he made the same exact mistake. And there was a hole the size of my house in the middle of that defensive line, which led to Daniels getting smacked around by, by that Cal team. Obviously that Cal defense is good, but if you're USC, I mean... Good Lord, that is a that is – you're talking about proud traditions. That is a university that should never suck at football, and they have sucked for the last, like, 15 years, basically. I know – yes, 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 they went to the whatever Fiesta Bowl and they got their head handed to them by Ohio State. I know that they had an okay year last year, but as a whole, they have just been a total disaster, and they may be paying three coaches at the same time not to coach at, down there in Los Angeles. Why, how is he still – I mean – I think everybody looks at that system and goes, this is bad and this is unacceptable. And yet Helton is still there. Why is he still the coach?
0: I think he's still the coach because they, I think that they are, they are concerned at the, about the amount of turnover that they have had on their coaching staff. I think that firing Lane Kiffin and Steve Sarkeesian, you know, mid-year, I think that they're a little wary. I think from what I've heard, and I say, I say like, I don't have sources. So this is th- things I have read from people who do have sources, yeah. <laughs> who are journalists <laughs> um, in the USC athletic department that Lynn Swan, I think, does have some awareness of that. And I think he does actually believe in Helton. And I think some of that is this Helton uh, as a recruiter. I mean, you, you always recruit well at USC, that's true, but they have recruited extremely well uh, with Clay Helton, um, and that's not something to be sniffed at. Because if you, with all of that talent, if you hire, go out and hire a very good offensive scheme, you could put a winner on the field.
1: They just freaking got rid of T. Martin on defense, though. Like he is one on of offense. the he would. Uh, I know. Like he was one of the up and yeah, he was one of the up and coming coaches. Period. Like he was in, uh, I think Tennessee even looked at him to be the head coach there, and he just yeah. kicked him off the team. I guess he's technically there, but he's whitewashed all USC references from his Twitter account, which is I just think it's hysterical. But yeah, who are you going to bring on that's going to transform that offense?
0: But Helton, Helton was known as a. I mean, not Helton. I mean, T. Martin was known as a recruiter. Okay. Um, and I was really hoping. I mean. <clears throat> I really, I think it's, I often, I was really actually rooting for T Martin to succeed because um, I worry too often that in both college basketball and college football that uh, African American coaches simply get labeled as recruiters. Um, yeah. So I was, I was really rooting for T Martin to, like, he had this reputation as a recruiter, but he'd been the QB coach when um, he got play calling duty. So I was rooting for him to get it because, like, I just, it's, it's like, you know, the, you know, the white white players are, you know, cerebral and not athletic, that kind of thing. Like, it's just, it, at some level, you feel like it's a bit of a lazy trope, but it didn't work. The offensive play calling was bad. Um, they just, and I, I have to say this, if you're Clay Helton, like, you, if part of saving your job was, like, you taking over the play calling duties, like, you did not cover yourself <laughs> in glory in either the Oregon State game or this last game. Yeah. Um, you know and Cal's defense is the amazing thing is actually as you could see what happens if you put in a really good scheme with you know in in college even with not the world's greatest talent when you look at Cal's defense and it's actually harder to do on defense because it's more reaction like you need great athletes on defense very often to field a great defense but Cal just plays with tremendous discipline and smarts i just i i'm like i I think that he like USC comes into this UCLA game with a 70% chance to win the game. That's not overwhelming. I mean, things that happen 30% of the time are not rare, uh, but that's, you know, where USC should feel pretty comfortable that if they show up and play a good game, they're going to win. However, they have a 9% chance against Notre Dame at home. Like that is almost three touchdowns. (laughs) Like that's USC is not used to getting their butt kicked at home by a rival Um, Particularly USC measures themselves. I mean, USC doesn't go out often and find themselves measuring themselves against Cal USC (laughs) fans, (laughs) USC fans and um, USC donors very much measure themselves uh, against other college football powers and this Notre Dame team is rolling right now. Ian book has been playing better. Notre Dame is probably the, I would still say is the worst team that might qualify for the playoff, according to beta rank. Um, but they would without, if they don't turn the ball over, they're going to wipe the floor with USC at home and bad home losses are hot seat multipliers, like getting blown out at home, especially by a arrival uh, will get you fired. And I don't think that there's anything Lynn Swan is going to be able to do, even if he feels like maybe clay Helton, is the right guy with some staff changes. I don't think that there's anything Lynn Swan can do if they lose to Notre Dame by 21 points. Before we get into the sleazy
1: bet section, how much further ahead is Washington State and Beta Ranks, just overall rankings, than the next best Pac-12 team?
0: Well, Utah... I mean, and you can, I will say this, like, so I don't do injuries because I would end up with a completely unwieldy model. If I tried to do injuries also, it would take up literally all of my time (laughs) figuring out injuries. So Utah, um, comes in at number 22, but Washington state is number 16 in the model. Um, and then Washington sort of sitting at 24, uh, and then Stanford is snuck up to 27. It was the Pac-12, like it's just as early as recently as three weeks ago, um, looked really top heavy with Washington state and Utah. Um, I mean, the trouble for the Pac-12 was just that there's, there's no one in the top 10. Um, you know, like your best teams are sort of like hovering closer to 20 than they are to 10. Uh, yeah, there, I mean, there's not a big middle either. I mean, sort of Cal's at 60 USC's at 61. um, And then, then it starts getting ugly quickly. I mean, U.S. UCLA is at ninety, Oregon State's at one seventeen. I mean, there are there are a whole host of power, I mean, non-power five group of five teams that rank ahead of Oregon, Arizona, Colorado, UCLA, and Oregon State. I mean, teams that I mean, teams and athletic departments that have budgets that are minuscule compared to a power five program.
1: Good times, yeah.
0: It's a, this is a fun year for Pac-12 football. This is not in any way a good year for Pac-12 football. Um, that's true, actually, across like the ACC is really bad this year. Um, and some of the other conferences are not having banner years. The Pac-12 should thank their lucky stars because the SEC is just having a lights-out year. We have no bowl tie-ins with the SEC, so we do not have to go get waxed by some SEC school in the bowl games. And we may end up... Um, Losing by seven
1: to Boise State or something. It'll be. Yeah. Crazy. I mean, even
0: though it's a down year for the Pac-12, like it's a little more like the bowl slate actually sets it to be more favorable because like there are teams that have rough records in the SEC, like Missouri, who are really good in advanced stats. So.
1: All right. Yeah. That'll be, that'll be a good times. So we're going to complain about Larry Scott a little bit, too. But first, the sleazy <laughs> bets. Hey, um, can I get some Pac-12 gambling advice up in here? Yeah. Is William Shatner? You want it? Actual gambling lines? You got it. Nice. You want it, baby? just bust a move. Okay. All right, all right. We're back. We're back. Uh, thank you for listening to Twelve Bag Radio and Wildcat Radio. This is a sleazy bet segment where we go through every game of this coming week, and we'll go uh, in order of time, and we will talk about the games that each team has played in the previous week to kind of give a little flavor before we give our breakdown of this week and first we have at 12 30 p.m on saturday usc versus ucla so let's get let's get into this dirty nonsense immediately um usc just what a what a rock fight against cal Um, jt daniels looked awful we had obviously talked about this a little bit in the, in the preview on Twelve Pack Radio, but uh, let's get into it a little bit more. What did Cal do specifically to stay in this game? That defense is just—it's really good, and we've talked about it on this podcast for a while. But for some of our new listeners, wh- why is that defense so good, and what is Wilcox doing with? I would say not, not subpar talent, like these are Division One players. But when you take a look at, oh, I don't know, USC, <laughs> the talent that's on Cal, significantly uh, more underdogs than the five-star four. Star talent that was all over the field for SC. Yeah,
0: so this Cal defense comes in ranked at number 11 in the country, which is phenomenal. I mean, it's one of two elite units in the Pac 12, the other, which is Washington State's offense. Um, They're ranked number 26 at drive efficiency, so. It's hard to drive the entire length of the field against this Cal defense. They will find a way to get, you know, out, you know, eventually. Um, they are excellent on play efficiency. So uh, rank number 12, they don't give a, a big yards per play number. They're number 11 on explosive drive. So you are not going to get away with just putting up explosive plays on this team. Um and they ranked over 19 on negative drives, so they forced quite a bit of three and outs. I mean, this defense, they do a lot of things really well. They tackle really well in space. Um... They uh, and they put smart pressure. Like what you saw, I think against USC was that Cal uh, was able to bring, bring pressure and bring pressure effectively and from unexpected places. Sometimes rushing inside linebackers um, and what you might think of as like as our friend Max Brown, you know, has pointed out the Green Dog Blitz. Um, you know, or just sending somebody late. Like Cal doesn't Cal doesn't blitz all the time, but when they do, they really make it count. Um, I really like uh, and they come in at number. They're, they're good against the run. They're number 17. They're number seven against the pass. Um, so this, this Cal team, like these are guys that Sonny Dykes recruited and everybody said that Sonny Dykes couldn't coach defense at all. So, um, he still couldn't, <laughs> <That's one thing. laughs> yeah, I mean, I really, I really, facts. I've actually personally met Sonny Dykes. He is one of the nicest people you'll meet in all of college football. Um, he could not figure out the defense and that's why he's not coaching a Cal anymore. Um, but, yeah, this this defense is phenomenal um, just to see. And they they do – they are highly disciplined. And one of the things that you don't see this Cal defense do also is they don't commit dumb penalties. Um, and they don't – I mean, which is unusual for a very good defense because a lot of very good defenses have – and I don't think that – I would say Cal's defense is nasty but they don't headhunt and you're not going to see this Cal defense get targeting penalties. And it's something that Wilcox himself has really talked about. Um, And it's something that really can, I mean, if you give up 15 yards and get a player ejected, like that can really come back to haunt you. And I think some programs have have found that out this year. Yeah. Speaking Uh, of
1: 15 yard penalties and getting ejected, uh, Iman Marshall, everyone, holy goodness. Like that was so
0: stupid. That was the stupidest penalty I have ever seen.
1: You are you are up, or lo- I forget what, they were probably losing at that time. Or, yeah, I think they were losing to Cal. Yeah,
0: they were.
1: To Cal at home, shut your mouth and win the game. Like, that. that's, look, and I I have a big mouth, and I, that's why we have a podcast. <laughs> but Like, when you are losing, that's when you put your nose to the grindstone and just push, and like, what a stupid penalty. The one other thing I want to mention with this game was the call. So, Justin Wilcox goes for it. I'm like fourth and two and Rod Gilmore was even like why aren't you going for it on fourth and two and then they did I'm like shout shout to you Rod Gilmore i think he's actually heard all the criticism about him being too
0: conservative
1: and it says like over <laughs> like come on let's do this y'all who wants to go to mexico
0: right. like, <laughs> rod rod gilmore is always like always always like you have to punt the ball here and play for field position and, and finally when rod gilmore is like no <laughs> You know it's important, yeah,
1: exactly. But the the play before that, when uh, Cal, when Chase Garbers goes out and he he runs and he slides clearly past the first down yard or for the, past oh, the first yeah. down marker, and it goes to the Pac twelve review booth, which God knows it's probably like six hamsters running on a wheel or something, and they call that as he was down before the first down marker. That was ridiculous. It was clear as day that he was past that. And the fact that that went to the review booth, A, it was a terrible call. Um, B, it went to the review booth and then they made another terrible call. I hope look, Cal won that game, but I hope that they petition the PAC 12 on that because that was inexcusable and it almost cost them a win. And that's a big difference for Cal. Like USC, you know, He's going to get fired regardless, I think. Like you mentioned, USC's going to lose to to Notre Dame, and it's just going to be a mess. I think they're going to lose to UCLA. Like, not as big of a deal for them. If you're a Cal program that really played, that was as good as Cal was going to be with that disgusting, disgusting offense. And the officials and the review booth almost cost them the game, and that's just – When you have a track record of sucking so much at this as uh, referees and as a review booth, when you have your general counsel calling in saying, like, that ain't targeting y'all, like, mark it. And then you do something like this again. It's just – when does it stop? I just – it sucks. You don't have to answer the question, Rob, but I wanted to throw it out there because if you're a Cal fan, you were beating your head against the wall on that call. And fortunately – you had a coach like Wilcox that had the balls to go for it on fourth and whatever and it worked out for them but it it could not have and this game would have been completely
0: different i thought i thought it was inexplicable their their spot because it's where the ball is when he, his knee touches down um and garbers did not go down it's like a full like baseball slide like he was you know a little more upright so the ball was not Sort of you know a full yard behind his legs or something like that. Yeah, um, it was just a bad spot, and then to not overturn that, um, I just thought it was odd. Uh, and I, I mean, kudos to, to Wilcox for going for it. Um, and it was it was also sucked because I had been. <laughs> it's like Garbers is pretty mobile, um, and on on some third downs, like they had not. They had been relying on Garbage throwing the ball in the second half, which I thought was always an odd choice given that he could probably pick up two yards on a draw or a designed run. And I'd been yelling for a designed run uh, on Twitter and then they do it and then they get the bad spot. And I was like, come on, like, just <laughs> <laughs> let me have my moment. Let him work. Uh, <laughs> let me seem smart. Um no, it was. But uh, I mean, kudos to Cal for for pulling this game out. I mean, uh, I think a lot of USC fans are uh, there was there was a chance that they really could have and should have maybe put up another touchdown at the end of that second half uh, when it looked like they had momentum and it looked like they had sort of figured out Cal's defense. I, and I can say this, like in, as an Arizona fan, I first sort of became aware of this Cal defense last year with the adjustments that DeReuter and Wilcox made in the second half against Arizona, which tight helped tighten that game up in the second half. Nobody in the in the conference does second half adjustments like Cal does, um, and they came out and totally shut down this USA offense in the second half. So when USC had them sort of figured out and had their chance to do it, they they did not. They were not able to 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 put up points one more time, and it really cost them.
1: Yeah, let's flip over to UCLA, which, like you mentioned in our twelve pack radio intro, had a pretty good outing against ASU. I mean, Wilton Spate had three hundred thirty five yards, uh, two touchdowns. He did throw a pick, but that's that's about all you could expect out of him. That's the best game he's going to give a UCLA offense, and shouts to him. Uh, Caleb Wilson had a good, a good, an excellent a game. 162 shoe yards, shoe two touches, holy goodness. And, like, he is an excellent NFL type uh, talent at The tight end. So it's nice to see a player like that on a team that's been struggling put up those numbers. And ASU is fairly good. So I was really surprised. This was the second game that I got wrong. The other one was the Cal-USC game because I just thought USC would play a little bit better at home which they have uh, normally done. Uh, But I mean like ASU did what they needed to do. I think Eno Benjamin is legit. Like we had talked about halfway through the season. It's like, all right, he's putting up good numbers, but it's against Oregon State. It's against some of these other teams. Let's see what he does against some other teams. Now, granted, you know UCLA isn't the ninety four or eighty four Bears or whatever, but. The fact that Benjamin keeps doing this over and over again is quite impressive. He had about 182 yards or something like that. It was ridiculous. Um, What did you see in this game that stood out for you um, in terms of UCLA really rolling the ball forward, but ASU pulling it out in the end?
0: I mean, I, I think that we when you look at this game, like you can definitely say that Arizona State, like even though they were quite effective on offense, like they they started out a little slow, but like their defense in this game was just bad I and mean, so their offense comes out i mean they come out of this game right number 15 in the country a lot of that's still some carryover from that really great game they had against utah's defense um but the arizona state's defense is down all the way to number 78 right now um you know and ucla's offense has has been hit or miss um they've always they've, they've been a team thus far this season that puts up more yards than they do points um they shoot themselves in the foot they had a, they had a huge game. In at Oregon, uh, that was mostly undone by just a couple of bad, really bad special teams errors. Um, and again, like not being able to put, you know, push points, you know, put points on the board when you put up some decent drives. Uh, but they, they did it again uh, against Arizona State. And this, this, they're, they're going to give, they're going to give you a run for their money. I mean, <laughs> I don't know that I would, I don't know that I would take them to win, but, um, yeah, they they made this, this ASU uh, defense look silly. I mean, Caleb Wilson in particular made this ASU defense look silly. He was so open on so many drag and crossing routes just so often, just going right over the middle of this defense.
1: They have a three-and-a-half-point cushion here, UCLA, at home against USC – I'm like, I'm going to take UCLA. I know this looks like a trap, right? But USC's offense just looks so, so inept. I like the fact that UCLA has started to put some good games together. I don't trust their defense for a lick, but I don't trust SC's offense to move the ball. They can't run it. And they may be able to against UCLA, like maybe they put up 150 yards or something. But JT Daniels, I just don't trust. I still think there are some players back there for UCLA in that secondary. And uh, I, I like this matchup for UCLA. I think they have something to prove. I think USC's team is down, and they know that they're down. Like the fact that you have Iman Marshall spitting, uh, just yelling and screaming to the sideline before the game was over. You had that weird fight on the sideline. I forget what the heck that was.
0: And, and it was about the, the defense was pissed at the offense for screwing up again.
1: <laughs> well, good times. Never want that happening.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, I, I don't want to be in that locker room right now if I'm an SC. The SC team and like I don't know I I just really like UCLA In this game just because this is more Of a I don't trust SC further than I can throw them And the fact that Chip Kelly Is starting to figure out what he has In this team so I don't know what does beta rank Say about it
0: so USC's got About a 70% chance to win the game in beta Rank Uh, that's roughly uh, About seven points like 6.95 points Um, So it does like the Trojans More in this game um, I, I mean, I'll, i I, think the Trojans are, a, are a touchdown better ish. I, I mean, if you had to trust a unit on the, you know, any of these units out there, you would definitely trust, uh, USC's defense, uh, over the, just about anybody else. But that being said, like UCLA's offense is mostly self-inflicted wounds. Um, they're definitely unlike USC's defense uh, offense, which doesn't often put up yards or points. <laughs> UCLA's <laughs> offense at least puts up yards. Um, so it's you could you could easily talk me into I mean I'm, I'm very on the fence about this line I'm very on the fence about this game. Um, you know and, and one of these teams like a lot of this I think in this game in particular comes down to motivation. Um, and UCLA just doesn't feel like it's like even though they're having a rough year they've had a, and against a really hard schedule. They just haven't quit. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm still going to, I'm still going to go with a model this late in the season and, and I'm going to take USC, but I, I may change my mind later. And go with <laughs> UCLA. This is a really hard game of the week.
1: Yeah. It's a funky game. So I know I just threw a dart at Amon Marshall. I want to say something nice about him because I'm sure he's a wonderful person. Uh, Take a look at these stats of him at cornerback. So he gave up three yards to UNLV. He held JJ Arcega-Whiteside to twenty-three yards. He held uh, Colin Johnson to eight to minus eight yards. He held Tay Martin to three yards, a uh, three receptions, one yard. Sean Poindexter to eighteen yards. LaVisca Chenault to one reception and eight yards. He gave up zero yards to Utah. He held Nikhil Harry to twenty-eight yards and the entire Oregon State offense to thirteen yards. I mean, I, I'm. Kidding. A little bit with that offense, but that is a nasty, nasty stat line on his end. Like, he is clearly one of the elite corners in the country, and it's just frustrating because he's in a a big moment. He's one of the leaders of that defense, and he's running his mouth like against the Cal team. It's like, what are you doing, man? Like, you are one of the best corners in the country. Like, stop, yeah. stop. I would assume a freshman would do that, or like Tim Huff at Arizona, or just like somebody that doesn't really have the talent that, you know, that would go and, and yell. And of all the players that you would have, you know, here, here's a spread of all the players in USC. Who's going to make the boneheaded mistake? It would not have been Iman mm-hmm. Marshall. But um, anyway, all right, let's move on. So we have coming up at. 1.30 p.m., Oregon State at Washington. Let's not spend a ton of time on this. Washington is a 32-point favorite. Um, Holy moly. I know. It's really bad. Obviously, <laughs> Oregon State got just got their head handed to them by Stanford. Um, I'm actually going to take Oregon State in the 32 points. I just think that they'll – like that's way too many points. I don't want to spend too much time breaking this game down. Um, is there anything that you have to say about Oregon State or Washington? Washington had a bye last week, so it wasn't a ton to talk about.
0: Uh, no, I just, I refuse to take Jake Browning with that many points.
1: Yeah, my man. 32. Wait, so what <laughs> oh does God. beta rank have this as like a 98 or whatever? Like, what yeah, it's like
0: thing? a 98.54, which is basically where I stopped the model because there's like 11 upsets and almost a thousand games at that point. So, um, it's like 20, it's a 29 point spread in the model. So, I mean, technically I am going with the model and taking the beavers here, but, um, Yeah, I wouldn't... Jake Browning is... is, Washington is awful at covering this season in particular. (laughs) Uh, And I just... I I don't think Washington has good enough offensive play calling. And actually, I like the Beavers on offense a bit.
1: 32 points. Holy goodness. Um, All right, let's move on. 4.30 p.m. Stanford is a two-point favorite on the road at Cal. Stanford, again, just beat the crap out of Oregon State. We just talked about the uh, Cal-USC game. I this I was surprised that the line was only two. Stanford can at least throw the ball. I know Cal has a good defense. I understand that. I know Stanford can't run the ball super well. But at the end of the day, the talent is there, and I don't trust Cal's offense. The one thing they have going for them, like you mentioned, is Chase Garbers can at least move around in the pocket and do some stuff. But is that going to be enough for a Stanford defense? And what does Beta Rank say about this matchup? Because I, that, of all the numbers, that one stood out the most for me.
0: So what's been interesting is that Stanford's offense has sort of been holding steady in the 30s. <clears throat> Their defense has started to creep back up a little bit again, um, and they're at number 46. Stanford has excellent special teams. They're ranked number nine in special teams right now. Mm. Um, this is definitely a game that, like, there are going to be a lot of hidden yards. They're going to make a big difference, and I I, I like Stanford in, in all hidden yard categories in this game. Um, so beta rank does not... <laughs> does not think this is a two-point game <laughs> um let me get over to it so they've got uh, stanford is a 76 percent win probability in this okay. game um that translates let me look here roughly to about eight and a half points um i'll take the cardinal with that i mean that I think this is this will be a tough matchup. Um, I think points can be at a premium uh in this game as we saw, but I mean Cal's defense is very, very, very good, but Stanford's offense is not USC's offense. Um, you know, like they're you know, Cal the, I mean, they did shut down Washington's offense, but again, like I would I would still take I would take Stanford's offense over Washington's offense at this point. Wouldn't you I mean
1: Oh, absolutely! It's it is right. a rivalry game. That's the one thing to keep in mind. You know, crazy stuff happens at this point. But I don't like Memorial Stadium. Stadium. I mean, like, does does Steely Dan have more of a crowd when they play there than like, <laughs> than like Cal versus Stanford? I just don't see that being a really crazy environment. One of the things about Stanford that impresses me is that um, they're going to do the. Th- well, I was gonna actually, that might be so. They're gonna do what they're gonna do. That's also the reason that I criticized David Shaw. So, um, it,
0: <laughs> I thought David, I thought we were screwed with that because I had taken, I thought I was screwed with Oregon State and Stanford because I had taken Stanford and I thought, oh man, David Shaw's gonna go full turtle early in the game. And he came out of his shell when Oregon State made it a little closer. And put his foot back on the gas.
1: Yeah, good for him for doing that. I guess at the end of the day, where do the points come from Cal? Is it Garber's kind of running around and doing some stuff? Maybe that gets them 14 points max? Like, uh, the running back, the guy's the guy's name, excuse me, the Cal running back right now.
0: Patrick Larry. Thank
1: you, yeah. Like, he only plays well when he's playing bad teams. And yeah. I, so I just don't think there's a running game. The passing game, like, I still... I think there's some decent players on Stanford's secondary and they got some big oh, guys. was good. Yeah. And, and they got a, the, who's the, the secondary coach. That guy's
0: awesome. Dwayne Aquina. Yeah. Dwayne yeah. Aquina,
1: Like he's one of the best in the country. I don't know. give me Stanford. I think they're going to put up enough points to be able to cover that spread. I, I, it looks I mean, like if, any of the letdown game from Cal, right? They just S C on the road. They come back and then they got to play Stanford. Like I, I just don't see a scenario. If Cal
0: had any kind of competent offense. Like, even mildly more confident. I could see taking him in this game. But, I mean, because you – we do, we know, we've watched – like, if you can get pressure on Costello, he's a different quarterback. Um, but I, I, I think Cal probably turns the ball over two or three times. So that's that's it.
1: Yeah, no, good times. Uh, <laughs> all right, like, moving on, we got 7.30 p.m. Arizona State at Oregon. So, Rob, I'm in this um, – this league it's the pactual survivor pool with a little skin in the game and there's a decent amount of uh, money on the line and i have organ as my last pick of the pactual oh, no. season against asu how nervous should i be
0: you should be nervous because the model does not agree with this
1: oh, no. <laughs> okay okay what does the model say
0: um So the model has ASU as a favorite in this game. Um, They give them about a 72% uh, win probability versus Oregon. Um, That is roughly – sorry, my PC is bouncing around here – about seven and a half points. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So ASU – I mean, so you only have to – You know, you only you don't have to cover the spread, but ASU is a a, it's not like 72 percent. Like, I I mean, I I say like 20 things that happen 20 percent of the time, not unlikely, but Oregon probably needs ASU to turn like to be, you know, negative, you know, one or two on turnovers, um, probably closer to two on turnovers um, in order to win this game. I mean, Manny Wilkins and that offense are l- legit, uh, and I, <laughs> I just I really struggle with, I really struggle with this Oregon team. I mean, do you have do you have any kind of faith in Oregon's secondary covering uh, Arizona State's wide receivers? None, none whatsoever. Like that, that and, is going to be very bad and Joshua Kelly had a pretty good game running the football against Oregon. Arizona had a very good game running the football against Oregon. What does ASU like to do? Run the, football. <laughs> Run, the football. Run the football. Run the football and then have Manny Wilkins pick you apart with big throws like woo. So, here is my It's at Eugene, I mean.
1: Yeah, it's at Eugene. Uh So, Oregon dropped 25 on a really good Utah defense, which gives me a little bit more confidence. Um Yes. I think Justin Herbert is I, you know, like, I know you have your reservations about him, but the fact that he can at least sling the ball a little bit, I guess my question is, can they put enough points up against an ASU defense, which I don't think is very good. What is, uh, what does beta rank have the defensive ASU ranked it?
0: Uh, they came in at number 78. Um, the triple is for Oregon. Their offense is only at number 55. Yeah. Um, so some of this is that they have not been as effective at running the ball. Uh, as they were. But so it was just, to Herbert's really struggled some of these games. And his, outside of that Stanford game, his completion percentage hasn't been that great. Um, and really outside of that Washington game, Oregon hasn't run the ball super effectively in a lot of games. So um, it's sort of tough to, if you were going to come, and, and some of this is injuries on their offensive line, but if you were going to come to me outside of Dylan Mitchell in that, Utah game I mean did anyone have a good game for Oregon on that offense? I mean he had a great game, but what did they even hang their hat on? I mean, I don't know.
1: they can kind of rush the ball a bit, right like I mean I know yeah. I know they're not great at it, but I don't what's what's ASU's rush defense ranking?
0: Uh, ooh, so they're number 64 against the run they're number 95 against the pass.
1: Oh that's interesting.
0: So if, if schooler and company who, I mean, and if you're, I don't understand why everyone doesn't just double cover Dylan Mitchell.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like what, I mean, I, I, schooler's fine. He catches the ball most of the time when you throw it to him, but there's nobody else on this Oregon offense. That's in any way intimidating catching the ball.
1: Oh my gosh. I, it's, it just, (laughs) so I had the option to take the money. Right. So, like, everybody gets eliminated <laughs> on Black, on Black Saturday when Arizona beat Oregon and all that stuff happened. Uh, Oregon State beats Colorado. And I thought, oh, well, like, you know, I got, I should have listened to you because I'm like, oh, I still got Oregon. Like, that should be fine. And then two weeks later, like, ah, this is the worst. So, uh, I, look, if the model, if the model has ASU that high, I mean, like, really the only hope would be that Dylan Mitchell has a big game, Oregon figures out it's running. Uh, offense because they're going to give up points against this asu team and they went in a shootout and the game's like you know 45 35 or something like that i can definitely see that in eugene it'll well, it won't be that cold it'll be like around 4 30 so you're not going to have a desert team going into like the tundra of eugene at 4 30 in the afternoon although it could get a little colder later but i think a lot of things have to go fairly well for Oregon to cover a four point spread so give me asu but what were you gonna say
0: Let's just say, I mean, Oregon's got an interesting offensive split. So they're ranked number 78 running the ball. Um, They're number 33 passing. So, I mean, they do sort of fall into a little bit. Like, they they could make some hay against this ASU defense that is not as good at defending the pass um, as they are against the run. But, uh, I mean, I guess the question, I mean, Herbert really has to be able to, you know, get the ball out. Because ASU, you know, they change defensive coordinators, but they still bring some heat uh, coming into this game. So they're not a they are not a good defense, um, and I do expect Oregon to be able to put up some points. Um, but this this ASU team also they're a little like they're a little sneaky. Like they 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 are not a hurry up spread team. They they re- reduce the number of possessions the teams have in the game, uh, and so if you're Oregon they have been a little profligate. Like they don't always put up points on their drives. Like you have to put up points, you know, on your drives against ASU because you're just not going to get a ton of drives. Um, And ASU generally is pretty efficient. So I don't know. Like I, I, like ASU. I mean, I, I obviously like ASU in this game. I will happily take when you combine the spread against beta rank, like 11 points, 12 points. So,
1: yeah, I'll probably hedge this by taking ASU straight up. (laughs) Just to try to make sure I win something here, uh, because there's a decent amount on the line. That just really sucks. Uh, So one more question about Oregon's special teams. Are they any good?
0: No, they've come back to earth. They have moments, and it's not that, like, I think that they have units that are good. So their kick return unit is good. Um, But their overall punting, um, you know, place kicking uh, units are not good um and asu they do miss uh gonzalez saying gonzalez they're excellent kicker from last year but their special teams comes in at number 59 um oregon's is at 65 so i mean it's not bad they've, they've been worse at different parts of the season uh they had a pretty decent game against utah especially on kick returns um that helped set up the offense so that that is, in a way like when oregon has hold off upsets or played better than expected so far this season. It has often been when they've had uh, some pretty good uh, play out of their kick return game uh, or some of their return game and been able to set up their offense with good field position.
1: Okay. Uh, moving on ESPN, seven thirty PM, Arizona is a 10 point underdog going to the Palooza take on number eight, Washington state. If you are in a uh, wildcat radio fan, we broke this game down at length, like 30 minutes. And actually if you're a Pac 12, uh, 12-pack radio fan you want to learn more about that game rob and i went really took a deep dive into the numbers of beta Rank and all that stuff i thought it was a pretty good conversation so check that out in our wildcat radio podcast with that said 10 points is a lot but rob you had mentioned that uh, maybe beta Rank thinks this should be a little bigger
0: it's a uh, washington state's got roughly a 91 percent win probability in this game um that's 18 and a half points uh i i i think that vegas as we saw last week with colorado i think is underrating washington state uh a bit and i i just like this washington state offense uh with this game and i i think that they're i don't I, they're the number one passing offense in the country uh the number four overall uh, offense in beta rank uh, i think arizona which has sometimes struggled in coverage is going to have a hard game
1: yeah it's interesting it's a really bad matchup for Arizona, like you mentioned. Gardner Minshew is going to get the ball out. One of Arizona's strengths on defense, which I can't believe I'm saying this at this point, but it is now, is their rush defense. And uh, how many times is, how many times do they rush the ball in this game? Like five, five to ten. Like max, right. it's going to put a ton of pressure on Arizona's secondary. Uh, and I don't think – the the one – I think the biggest scenario for where Arizona wins this game is if they are able to keep up with Washington state and the defense gets a few turnovers or some big stops where uh, one thing to mention is Khalil Tate is likely a hundred percent healthy after having a bye week So one of the things he was able to do in the game against Colorado a couple times is run and he looked pretty good. He didn't look like that hobble Tate that you've seen uh, in weeks prior. So, and Washington state can, can give up some yards on the ground. So you have uh Uh, Oh, my gosh. What's his name? (laughs) Paler? No, the the Arizona running back.
0: Oh, J.J. Taylor. Yeah, give me one
1: second. I always want to say JTT or something. (laughs) You have someone like uh, J.J. Taylor that can rush the ball in addition to Tate. And, like, how does a team prepare for Tate? It's hard when he's 100% running all over the place. So that would be the one scenario where Arizona could keep up and go, you know, punch for punch and maybe pull it out in the end. But at the end of the day, you have a cold, cold Palouse and an Arizona team that isn't used to that cold. So another thing to keep, I'm actually going to take the points. I'll take the 10 and just know, so I have not had a losing week, I think uh period this year, <laughs> but I have gone like one in five with Arizona. So, so take that with a grain of salt um, or one in 10 or however many times I've been on Arizona. Uh, but I'll take the points. I think that uh, having Khalil Tate back there, just changes up the way that arizona can play but um i am not confident at this at all and i totally realize that this is a difficult spot for arizona to play in with gardner Minshew and uh, two six four wide receivers and fast wide receivers on the inside but rob who are you taking
0: Uh, i'm gonna take washington state here i really i i think washington like barring three turnovers and tate rushing 10 times for 120 yards i just I, i i don't see it
1: All right. Moving on. The last game of the night at 1030. Utah is a seven-point favorite going into Boulder, Colorado against the Buffs. And obviously, we talked about the tailspin that Colorado is in right now. And Utah, the fact that they were able to put up points even with a new quarterback, which I thought was interesting. The other thing to keep in mind, we didn't mention this in the intro, Rob, on 12-pack radio, was that the spread didn't really change when, uh, when it was uh, decided that Tyler Huntley wouldn't actually play in this game. So I think that shows how well Vegas thought of Utah's passing game but uh, utah saw what we saw last week which was the fact that utah can run the ball and when they're running the ball and they're not turning the ball over from the quarterback position this offense is going to be good enough to beat most solid teams and i think that's the case again with colorado but what do you think
0: yeah i really i mean i Like Utah here, Um, I I think the model is still going to. It takes a little while, and I I have that exponential decay built in to try to deal with injuries, um, even this late in the season, at least a little effectively. Um, But Utah comes in with a uh, just a eighty nine percent, eighty nine and a half percent win probability in this game. I think that's a little high compared to um, what they're. where their offense may actually be at this point, but um, that's like 17 points, um, but I still think with, with the line that they have, like I like the Utes in this game, I, uh, I think their defense is very good, they have very good special teams, um, and this Colorado defense is not good, and I uh, they've been sort of like in a tailspin um, almost really since the UCLA game was maybe one of their last really good games. Um, I really think that this, uh, this Colorado team's in a lot of trouble, and I think Utah's going to be able to run the ball, and to be honest like uh, we talked about this a bit earlier like i'm not sure colorado's like even into it that much <laughs> i was saying, not into this football thing
1: I mean, <laughs> like
0: they, they look like a team that's ready for the season to be over i mean yeah
1: which is fair i mean like that happens it just does at some point so yeah i'm, I'm with you uh anything else we should talk about before we hang it up for this
0: week No, I don't. I mean, do we have anything to talk about Larry Scott or Pac-12 main office-wise?
1: No, well, we talked about the the stupid calls from – right? I think we covered that.
0: We did. We did. Yeah. Um, Oh, so I have uh, updated probabilities on uh, winning the South. Oh, okay. So – Uh, As it currently stands, ASU, uh, and I actually have different numbers than some other places, Um, ASU actually has a 57% chance of uh, winning out uh, and therefore winning the South. (laughs) Um, Utah, though, has most of the rest of the chance there. So all Utah has to do is have – they have to beat Colorado and then have ASU lose once, and Utah is your Pac-12 South champion. Um, So that is roughly – Roughly forty-three percent, um, and that is all. Like if you add those up, that's basically a hundred percent. Somewhere hiding in there is a point one one percent shot. That is the University of Arizona Wildcats. Yeah, uh, <laughs> where. Um, <clears throat> Both ASU and Utah lose. Um, Utah has to lose to Colorado uh, this week, um, and ASU can either lose to Oregon. Um, well, and then of course, like they would also have to lose to to Arizona. So basically, like they just have to lose to Arizona. But yeah, <laughs> Not, uh, ASU uh, is still, I mean, sort of control. I mean, controls their own destiny, um, and I think they've got a better shot against this Oregon team than people think. Um, and then in the North, it's all regardless if Washington State loses this week, um, it's still all going to come down to that Washington uh, Washington State game um, and that is uh, Washington State or currently has a 63% win probability in that game, so uh, Washington has a basically a 37% chance to win the North.
1: Right on. Uh, If you are looking to bet on the Pac-12 South, you could probably get better odds if you just take ASU straight up and roll it over. So if you bet ASU to beat Oregon, you're going to get more points than you put up and then – roll it over to, to Arizona. So just keep that in mind. If you're looking at those numbers, Rob, thank you so much for joining us. We will catch everybody next week. Won't be off for the rest of the uh, season. We're talking about what to do for bowl season. Cause that's kind of fun. And I, I love bowl season. It's super, we'll definitely do a bowl pool. So keep it in touch on that front. We'll announce how that works in a few weeks and we'll catch you next week.